We're talking about essentials for end times living. What I, some of the things that I have, that I feel strongly about that, uh, that are required, they're essential in the days in which we live. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the importance of having an unshakable faith in an unchanging God. And we looked at example of our model from Daniel chapter three of, of uh, the three Hebrew children that were there with Daniel and uh, taken captive to the country of Babylon and who had purposed in their, in, in their hearts that they would not uh, compromise, that they wouldn't, uh, even, even uh, though it could have been beneficial, they had, they had determined they were going to serve the one true God. And we looked at that. We talked last week about the importance in the days in which we live of having a tender heart that's sensitive to God's word. We again went to the Old Testament, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 22. And we look, took a look at uh, King Josiah, who, when he was eight years old, first uh, went to the throne. But then we, we really zeroed in on something that happened when he was 26 years old, when, he, when they began to repair and to clean out and rebuild the temple there in Jerusalem that had been, uh, that had been so uh, abused and put in disarray by Josiah's father, Amnon, and then by his grandfather, Manasseh. And we, we took a look at that, and we took a look how that when, the, as they were cleaning the temple, a book of the law, a book of the law of Moses uh, was found. And when it was read before the king and the nobles, how that the king, uh, the scripture says that he had a tender heart before God. And how important that was to, as to lead that nation in a time of spiritual repentance and a repairing again of the altars. And some of you, I, I loved one of, one of you came to me this week and said, Jerry, you were talking about repairing the altar and taking out some of the things that they had set up and said, God had, has led me in a time of that in my life where things that I had allowed to be built, that I had even built myself, uh, that, I had to, that I went back and, and had to tear those out and, and rebuild again through repentance. So we talked about the importance of a tender heart. We said a tender heart was a humble heart. It was a forgiving heart. It was a, it was a, a heart that was, uh, uh, that was obedient. And it was a repentant heart before the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I want to talk to you about the importance of having an ear to hear what God is saying. An ear to hear what God is saying. When, uh, when John, the writer of the revelation of Jesus Christ, when John was instructed by the Holy Spirit to, to write what we know as a book of Revelation, when you get to the second and third chapter, the Holy Spirit specifically gave uh, some directions to, to the seven different churches in Asia, Asia Minor area. And at the end of every letter, at the end of every uh, correspondent to that church, the Holy Spirit instructed John to write something like this, beginning in, in chapter 2, verse 7. He says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In chapter 11, first part, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Chapter, uh, verse 29 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In chapter 3, says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He says, are you kind of getting the gist of this? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then at verse 32, I think it is, 22. It says, and he that hath an ear, same thing, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. When I hear the Holy Spirit telling John, hey, be sure that these people are hearing what I'm saying. To me, I believe that it is every bit just as incumbent upon you and me today to hear what God is speaking to us as, he, as, as it was for those people that, that received those letters in that first century to hear, hear what God was saying. I believe that hearing what God is saying is critical for end time living. Now, men, there's probably not a man in here this morning that hasn't, uh, that's married, 
that doesn't understand the importance of not only hearing, but listening to, okay? Uh, now, you don't stay married 45 years, and uh, they've been awesome years. I love my wife more today than I did 45 years ago when I first married her. I, 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 but you don't stay married 45 years without learning a few things, Pastor. Isn't that true? Uh, uh, and uh, Ed, I could say 45 years, you learned a few things along the way, right? Amen. One of the things that I've learned, you know, is... Uh, Guys, if you've ever been watching, you know, the Final Four or maybe it was the, the uh, Super Bowl or something just, you know, one of those they, they, that they don't repeat. You know, it's one of those games or championship matches. <clears throat> it's amazing how many times our spouses want to talk then. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you know, and, and it's just, it's, and, and uh, if you've ever found yourself watching and listening and, and watching and listening. And then your wife will say something about, what do you think about that? Yeah. Now, that is a moment that Bobby Kelly says, there ain't no right answer. <laughs> At that time, there's, there's, not, there's not a right answer. And, and take me, I've, uh, it don't work. I've tried, well, would you repeat that last phrase one more time? I didn't quite catch that last phrase. Yeah, you. I didn't think it was. I don't work. Don't try, it, guys. If for you, some of you younger guys or some of you single men that's thinking about it, don't go there. Don't just don't go there. Don't work with that. So we've learned now if 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 listening is is that important in our relationship in our marriage relationship, how much more critical as we that we not only hear but listen to what the lover of our soul is saying to us in the days in which we live. I want you to go not to an Old Testament passage this morning, but I want you to go with me to a New Testament parable in Mark chapter four. In Mark chapter four is a very familiar parable that Jesus has spoken. It's the parable of the sower who's gone forth to sow. And as he shares this parable, after uh, after, he, after he leaves and Jesus and his disciples now are alone together, the disciples say to him in verse 10, it says, uh, and when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. <laughs> Jesus' disciples had heard what he said, but now they wanted to be sure about what they heard. Now, there's a, uh, there's a technique that that sometimes is used to help help couples or help people uh, in a communication skill of listening. We call it reflective listening, you know. And 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 the way that works uh, is is you uh, you 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 repeat back. Now this this is what I heard you say, you know. And it's amazing. It's amazing sometimes uh, what we think we hear. And what the other person thinks they've communicated are not always on the same page. So, so yes, I got some amens and I saw some elbows being thrown. Be careful with those. <clears throat> but I just want to tell you, and, when it, when, and, and here, how much more important now, these disciples are along with Jesus and they said, man, tell us what you're talking about. Look, just look at, I was amazed this week as I, as I looked again, we're going to pick up in verse 14, just briefly, quickly. Jesus says the sower sows the word, the word of God is what he's talking about. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves to endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended." And these are they which are sown on stony, which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. Did you, did you notice the difference. All, and, and, the, and the, the different types of soil is talking about different types of heart, different types of people. 
And, 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 and what amazed me is they all heard the word. But all of them didn't hear the word. You know, notice the difference. That the fruitful, that which bore fruit, in verse 20 it says, they such as heard the word and received it. Now Jesus would, would go on down in verse 23. As he's explaining this to them, look at verse 23, sounds familiar. It's the same words that the Holy Spirit would instruct John to write a few years later. Jesus said, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. Now, it's, a, it's interesting. And then in verse 24, he goes on and Jesus says, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Now, some other translations. Who's got, a, who's got an NIV in that? Who's got an NIV? What does it say? Linda, you got an NIV? Read it. What does it say? Consider carefully. Consider carefully what you hear. Who's got a New Living Translation? What do you live in translation say? Pay close attention. Pay close attention. Pay close attention. Listen. Don't just hear, but understand. Listening carefully. And today when God speaks, we need to pay close attention. We need to listen carefully. We need to, Jesus said, take heed to it. Now, how does God speak to us? Well, the first, first way I think it probably just comes to my mind and probably all of us, right? is he, he speaks to me through his word. He speaks, this is the, we call it the word of God. The word of God. And, and he speaks to us through his word. I, I want to be like, I'm reminded of the story. I'm, we're coming, well, we might not come back. Go with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. You're, you're very familiar with the, uh, with the, with the story uh, Samuel's mother, was it Hannah? Hannah, Hannah couldn't have, couldn't, Hannah and, and uh, Elkanah, they couldn't have kids. And so she's, she's praying and she says, she's praying and she said, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. So God hears her prayer. And when, when Samuel is old enough to be weaned, she takes Samuel to the temple in Jerusalem and presents him to Eli, the priest, for Eli to rear. Now, the difficult thing for me there is Eli was not the best father at raising kids. He had a couple of sons that were rascals. He had a couple of sons that God had to deal with. Eli didn't have hanging on his office wall a certificate of graduation from parenthood class. He, uh, he didn't. He has some things looking on. But Hannah obedient to her word to God, brings Samuel now to Eli to take care of. <clears throat> As Samuel grows, he's still a young, uh, a young man, young boy. <clears throat> in chapter three, and Samuel is laying down in bed one night and he hears, he hears this voice, Samuel, Samuel. So Samuel gets up and runs into Eli and says, here I am. Eli said, boy, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed, just dozes off again. Samuel, Samuel goes running back into Eli. Yeah, you called me. Here I am. Son, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Just gets to sleep again. What a night. You ever had a night like that? <laughs> I didn't even have cell phones in. <clears throat> you know, it goes, just gets back to bed the third time. Third time, Samuel, Samuel. And we're going to pick it up with verse nine. Or, or let, let me, let me pick it up with verse eight. And, and, uh, Says Samuel, Samuel, and he went and rose and went to Eli, and he said to him, here I am, for you call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now, this is the third time. This, time, this tells you how a little bit rusty Eli is in responding, how slow he is on the uptake of being in tune with what the Holy Spirit's saying. And Eli perceived, that's, that's, that would be a big, bold note, sir, that the Lord had called Samuel. <clears throat> so Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that you shall say, speak, Lord, for thy servant Heareth. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, just had got sleep. And the Lord came and said, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, 
I'm going to do a thing in Israel at which the both of ears, the ears of all that hear it's going to tingle. God said, I'm fixing, I'm fixing to, to, to do a shaking in Israel. Now, I looked at this. I read this. Now, let me ask you a question. Why didn't God tell Samuel this the first time he called him? Ah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I read this. I thought, man, this is fourth time. Fourth time. Because it was critical that Samuel learn to recognize the voice of God. Samuel is, is God is fixing now to take Samuel and to, and, and to bring him as this, from this boy into leading the nation of Israel into hearing God's voice to them as a nation. Anointing kings, confronting kings, confronting uh, sin. He needed to develop sensitivity to hearing the voice of God. How critical it is in the days in which we live that we learn to recognize the voice of God. David, in, uh, in David in Psalms 119, verse 59. All right, who, where's, my, where's my NIV? Linda, again. And, uh, David says, King James says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto your testimonies. The NIV, Linda, are you there yet? All right, what does it say? 11959. Ah, that's, that's a long chapter. I have considered my ways and turned my steps to your statutes. New Living. I pondered the direction of my life and I turned. To follow your laws. You, you, you know what the psalmist is saying? When I looked at the way the direction of my life was going, when I saw what was happening in my life, as I considered this, as I looked at this, as I pondered this, as I heeded this, I turned and looked in your laws, in your statutes, in your testimony. Today we would say, I turned and looked in the word of God. That's what we're saying. That's what, the, that's what David was saying. When we see what's going on in our lives, when we see what's going on in the world around us, it should take us to the word of God because God speaks to us in his word. In order to, and I'm convinced that as Christians that, that we, we, we're followers, we're learners, we want to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in order to live like a disciple of Jesus, I'm convinced we must first learn to think like a disciple. And before we can learn to think like a disciple, I'm convinced we need to learn to listen like a disciple. Listen like a follower. Listen to the master. And he speaks to us through his word. It's critical. It's critical. Another way the Holy Spirit speaks to us, or that God speaks to us, is through the Holy Spirit. Through the voice of God. Just, uh, and, and one of the things that, as we talk about this, I want, I want to share, because one of the things that Scripture admonishes us as we listen, that in the last days, in end time days, there's going to be a lot of voices that people aren't hearing that aren't always the voice of God. Scripture tells us in one place, says, try the spirits of God. To know they're for me. Jesus tells us a very, very important passage in John chapter 10. Jesus is talking about, he says, my sheep know my voice. That's so, why it's so critical for Samuel to learn this. And a stranger they will not follow. Now, as we're talking about an ear to hear, we need to be, we need to be discerning. We need to know his voice. We need to listen. And there's some things we need to know. I mean, let me give you how, how bring it home. We got a lot of our North Carolina Brethren with us this morning, Tony, Tony Dickey, Tony's retired North Carolina State Patrol, Work Sheriff's Department, and now he's just stringing wire for the new casino, and I'm praying for him every foot he pulls. <laughs> <laughs> he says he ties off his paycheck. I don't know about that, but uh, anyway, <clears throat> Tony was telling me that, that this past Thursday or Friday, and I don't know which one he told me, and I don't, I've forgotten, but some of you North Carolina people may have heard this on the news. Macon County, that's Franklin just, just across the uh, Franklin Mountain from Hazel. Thursday or Friday, there was a couple, 38 years old and 29 year old couple, a man and a woman. 
And uh, they had went to South Macon Elementary School there in Macon County. And they had hidden weapons, guns, pistols, actually hid six pistols around the school, on the school grounds. And they had more guns in their car. And what they said was, if God told them to, then they were going to kill students and teachers as they came into school that morning, indiscriminately. But when Tony told me this, and what perked my ears up when they said, if God told us to. And what happened, let me tell you how how great our God is and how awesome he is. A bus driver uh, had went to pick up her bus early that morning. Actually, she was there at 5.30 to pick up her bus. And uh, she was, as she was there to, to leave her car and get her bus, uh, the couple that was, that was planning the mischief, the couple, mischief is not a good word for it, it's, it's a lot far greater than that. The people that were planning the sin, evil, the evil, a, that's evil. The people who were planning the evil, there was a, uh, there was a cat, it was a kind of a, a, a school cat, it was just a stray cat that hung around the school. And I guess just to practice their target, they shot the cat. No, it's good. But, but yeah, no, I feel can't. Uh, but listen. <laughs> oh, PETA, please don't say. The bus driver heard the shot. And so she drove her car, and when she drove her car, she saw this couple, and she called the authorities. And, uh, and, and, and so the bus driver hemmed the couple in with her car, wouldn't let them leave, and they, they pointed her pistol at her. But she wouldn't move. And the authorities came Tucked this couple into custody, have arrested them, and then they they discovered the other this cache of weapons. But this people, these this couple was saying, if God tells us to, then we're we're going to kill students, elementary students and teachers when they start coming to school. Listen and try the spirit and the voices you hear. God will the Holy Spirit of God. As you listen to the Holy Spirit of God, and you know this. But, it's, but sometimes we just, it's back to the basics. Sometimes we know that when you're dribbling the ball, you don't look down, you keep your head up. But sometimes you have to kick a good player in the rear end and say, get your head up, okay? Because this is that kick. The Holy Spirit of God will never lead you to do anything that's contrary or contradictory to the written word of God. That is, that is one check. That's one. But it's a critical one. A few, a few years ago, there was a, a lady that um, came to notoriety because she, she said she was a hooker for Jesus. And that, yeah, that God had told her that she needed to go into prostitution and she was going to use the money she made in prostitution to build up the kingdom of God. No, that wasn't God that told her that. That wasn't the God of the word, this word. That may have been the God of the world, but it wasn't the God of this word, okay? So we need to... We need to learn to listen to the voice of God, and we need to learn to listen obediently. Obediently. And by that I mean that, that we, when we go into God's word, we need to go into it with, a, with an attitude. And, and listen, we talk about this all the time in our men's Bible study. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to go into God's word with the idea of I'm just going to learn more about this so I can out-argue out William over here, yeah, or so I'll, so I'll have more head knowledge. You've never argued anybody into the kingdom of God. You just don't do that. It's the Holy Spirit's job to draw them. It's our job to love them and pray for them and get out of God's way and quit trying to be the Holy Spirit when we're not the Holy Spirit, okay? But so, I, so my attitude is we need to approach the, God's word with a, with a mindset of, Lord, this is you speaking to me. And I want, you to take, I want you to take the Holy Spirit and I want you to take the Word of God that's Holy Spirit inspired and put it into this, this what little gray matter that's there that's swiveled up like a prune, if I've got any left at all. And I want you, and, and in that, and then bring it into my life so that, I can, so, that, so that you can use that to make me more and more into the man of God that you see me as instead of the knothead that I see me as. Okay? So this is, you didn't have to nod so big on that one, Jim. <laughs> Yeah, but but that's we want to we want to approach his word with an obedient attitude, and we want to approach we want to we want to listen to the Holy Spirit appreciatively, if I can say that. Like the anointing, you never presume upon the anointing of God, 
And uh, I, it's, it's almost like telling you how good chocolate cake and soup beans is. Some of you have never tried it, and you say, that's ridiculous, gag to think about it. But I just want to tell you, it's good. Well, that may not be the best illustration. How good chocolate ice cream is, okay? But the anointing of God, when, you, when, when there's a moving of the Holy Spirit... Uh, give you a good example. The, the, the graveside service a week ago yesterday for, for Miss Ann Schaefer. And uh, there's a lady, good friend, Miss, Miss Sandra Plott. Taught her kids in school, but I probably hadn't seen Sandra, Sandra since 1992. Okay? It was last year I taught in, the, in the high school. And, I, and I, I, I hadn't seen her to speak with her since then. But I, I arrived a little early and Sandra's at the graveside. Hey, my little bitches. Sanders at the graveside, and, and uh, she says, uh, I went over, she said, you don't remember? I said, I think you're Sandra Plot. Yeah. She said, uh, Jerry, she said, I think I'm supposed to sing a song at the graveside. Now, I'd met with the family, and they had the song picked out in an order of service, and I said, Sandra, have you run it by one of the kids? Yeah. I said, okay. I said, what are you going to sing? She said, I'm going to sing, I want us to be together in heaven. I said, okay. I said, let's, let's figure out where the best place to put this in the service, we, we put down praying, okay, Lord, what do you want? And I've heard that song a long time ago. Y'all know that song? Some of you heard, I want us to be together in heaven. I'd heard it many years, heard it a long time. But, um, and I went home and told Barbie this. I, I said, Barbie, I said, Sandra, sing that song. And, and, and there was such an anointing on that song. Uh, she said, well, Jerry, how was her voice? I said, I don't really know how her voice was. Uh, I, I don't know, Sandra and her, and her daughter saying it, but the words were so God moment. And the words are so plain that it's not what we have or what we don't have that's going to make the determination where we get to heaven. It's not we could have the whole world down here and miss heaven. Or we could be as poor as a church mouth down here and miss heaven. It's not how, how much you have or how little you have. It's whether or not the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our hearts. And the message of that song was so powerful. Now, Ann had touched a lot of lives, and Ann was the kind of person that saw the best in everybody. And, and she was, she, 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 most of her ministry was taking, sitting with older people. Paige is, by the way, Paige is taking numbers. If she's, <laughs> she's looking for a couple, somebody that will sit with Barbie and me on a, on a rotating basis, kind of here on that. Uh, she, she came in last night, and she said, Lord... You have to get, somebody's going to have to take care of you. But anyway, Anne sat with, with more mature people even than Barbie and I are. And, and, and Anne had a special ministry with teenagers, older teens. You know, I'm talking about 16 to, to 20, somewhere in that category. And there was, there was, there was a bunch of kids from North Carolina, because Anne, Anne's daughter lives over in Murphy, Holly, and her husband, from North Carolina and from here. And that song had such an anointing on the whole, of the Holy Spirit of God. And, it was, and, and uh, the, the roosters, the, the family's roosters were crowing down there and over here. The dogs were barking and the pigs were oinking. <laughs> never heard it. You never heard it. It's because the anointing of God was there. God's Holy Spirit was there. And you listen appreciatively when God speaks. You learn to do that. You see, hearing begins with our heart, not our ears. Most people' ability to hear is fine. You know what I'm saying? I mean, most people's ability to hear is fine, but they but they still have a problem hearing because they have a heart problem. If you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's hard to hear from Him. It's hard to hear from him. If, you, if your heart is crowded out, if your heart is preoccupied with self, me, myself, and I, if, I, if y'all, you know, if, if you usually got a, a, a crowded house full and it's all you, <laughs> you have a problem hearing the Holy Spirit of God. You have a problem hearing others and the heart of others. Hearing from God. You need to try the spirits, know that you're hearing from God. 
know that it's not going to contradict the written word of God. But, and there's sometimes, you know, in the end times, you need to know this. And, and somebody said in first service, well, why don't you give an example of, of when you, you know, I mean, there's some things you, you read in here and God gives us directions. He gives us a, a Psalm 119 later on in that chapter. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The writer of the Proverbs says, you know, uh, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own wisdom. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct, he'll guide us in the way we go. His word does that. But there's times you're praying, do I go to Guatemala on a, do I go to Guatemala with, the, with this mission team that's going to be leaving in July or not? Okay, do I do that? Is, and God can use his word to confirm what he's saying to you. But you go in here, and if you're looking in here and it says, Jerry, take us now, the next train us to Guatemala. You won't find that. You won't find that. And there was a time, there was a time in, in Barbie and our, in our lives, in 1970, when was that? Huh? 77? Couldn't remember that far. I knew you would remember it. She, she does. She's amazing to me. What was it that you told me last other night you had record of and I said uh, oh I couldn't remember and, and, and I laughed and I said you, got, you, you can't remember that she said yeah I can tell you right where it is but anyway 1977 we had been invited to, uh, to, to move to San Francisco I don't know if that's an invitation or a, but, but, but the invitation was come and live with us in inner city San Francisco and minister a lot of fish fishing opportunities are great come now, we had been invited to be a part of a ministry there now, and, and you know, these, these older, more mature Christians and missionaries, Jim Arnold, some of these former pastors and Christian workers, they've learned a lot through the years. And, you know, and, they, and they know how to set the hook. Where's big Jim? Jim, they know how to set the hook. That's critical in catching fish. It's critical in catching people. And sometimes these, these experienced men and women of God, they will set the hook by, by something like this. Will you promise me you will pray about this? Oh! Oh! Now that's always good. But the, but the reason it's always good is because you want to hear from God anyway. But it makes it difficult when you really don't want to hear what God wants to say to you. You know what I'm talking about? Who would want to leave Blairsville, Georgia and go live in San Francisco? Downtown San Francisco. Now that's just a 1977. There wasn't even a traffic light in Blairsville. You know? The first traffic glider I ever drove in was in Murphy, and I got hung up under it. And I, that's the honest truth. And I wouldn't have even went to Murphy except there was a good-looking girl there that I wanted to visit. It was worth getting hung up under the traffic light. They just looked at me and saw the Union County tag and backed up and said, go ahead, redneck. Uh, they didn't know any better. But we got this invitation to move to San Francisco and to be involved in inner-city ministry. And, uh, and, they, and, and so the chaplain is calling me. The chaplain says, Jerry, will you just pray about that? Innocently, I just grabbed the bait. I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. It's a good thing. Don't, don't, I don't want to come across as bad, but this is how he's thinking. Because, hey, we were both working in the school system. We had a, a four or five-month-old baby girl. And, you know, I didn't want her to go out there and let her speak California. And she did, and now we have a California daughter, a California girl. But, but will you pray about it? So we began to pray about it. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and again, don't, you've, you've heard me, guys. Again, you learn a lot of... God, I'm convinced, Jerry People says, we talk about our relationships with our wives and husbands half the time in Bible study on Thursday mornings. That's scary. I can't, didn't really believe I was talking about that much. I've got, it needs to be God's word. But God uses our relationships, at least in my life, to teach us so many things with practical spiritual applications. He really does. He really does. And so uh, one of the things, I mean, early on, I just, when I felt like I heard God speaking to me, that was it. Just go right straight ahead. And it was like, get Barbie by the hand and, and come on, woman, you're going with me. Yeah. And then, and then... God began to speak, and I really needed confirmation. And, and somebody, some wise brother or sister in the Lord had said, you know, you need, you need to be sure that, he, that you're together, that God's saying the same thing to your wife as he's saying to you. Now, I thought Barbie had a hearing problem. Okay? I really did. I really did. I thought I could hear from God so much easier than she could. 
she's stubborn. You don't know how stubborn that woman is. She's been married to me four to five years. She has to be stubborn. She never endured. And then, and then God spoke to me and said, you know what, Jerry? She listens to me usually a lot more easily than you do. Oh, I didn't like that, but God don't ever ask me if I like what he tells me. He just tells me truth. <laughs> and so somewhere along the line, I learned to, to, to pray and to, and to pray that God would confirm that. Lord, speak to me. If this is really what you want to do, speak to my wife. You guys speak to her too. So that we're both hearing the same thing. And I've learned that, that if we're still hearing different things, we talk about it and we agree to pray about it some more. Nothing wrong with that. You want, to, you want to be sure the voice you're hearing is God's, okay? And in the times and the days in which we live, you, it's critical that we not only hear what he's saying to us from his word, but when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we're making decisions. So we're praying about it. We've been praying about it. And, uh, and, and I'm not above, I just want to tell you, remember when God was speaking to Gideon? Remember God was speaking to Gideon? He said, all right, Gideon, it's time to throw off the, the Philistines, uh, the foot that's been on y'all's neck for a long time. I want you to, I want you to go... Uh, whoop them. Now, Philistines had a pretty big army and they were, they were really modernized and they were good fighters. Gideon didn't have any idea that God was going to take 10,000 of his troops and cut them down to 300 before the first attack. And he was going to tell them to leave the swords home. He didn't do that. So God, but God was working because Gideon needed to learn to hear God speak. And uh, so God said, Gideon, Gideon was out there threshing wheat and he was a farmer and he didn't have time. He'd got to get the crop in before the rains come. And God said, Gideon, I want you to go do this. And Gideon said, who is that? I think every time I think about that, I think about the old Bill Cosby, Noah thing. Noah, you know, who is that really? And Gideon says, who is that? And God said, it's me. I want you to, I want you to go, go follow the army. And get, remember Gideon called it putting out a fleece. And the reason they do that is because Gideon said, he, he prayed. And he said, okay, Lord, if this is really you, I'm going to take a, what, a fleece is a sheepskin, right? And uh, Pastor Bill and Bobby had one. They were in Australia and they had this awesome thing. And he said, uh, God, I'm going to put this out here on the ground. And if it's really you telling me to do that, then I want, uh, I want this sheepskin to be dry and let the ground be wet with dew in the morning. All right. Gideon goes to bed, wakes up next morning, goes out there, and the ground is just soaking wet. You know, it's, it's wet dew everywhere. He picks, picks that old sheepskin up, that fleece, dust comes out of it. And this is where Jerry Helton comes in. And Gideon says, is it really you? God, if it's really you, I'm going to put this fleece back down. And in the morning when I wake up, I want the ground to be dry and the, and the fleece to be wet. To be wet. But listen, he, he was still listening obediently because he intended to obey, but he just wanted to be sure it was him. And he was going to need that. He was going to need that because a little while later, God was going to say to him, I need you to send all the men home that really don't want to be here to fight. You got to be kidding me, God. Yeah. But he said, okay, okay, Lord, if it's really you, in the morning I want this, this sheepskin, this fleece to be wet and the ground dries. Goes out there the next morning, dust just walking up, but we go over that sheepskin, picks up that sheepskin and wrings water out of it. You know, just, just he wrings water out of it. I think that's where we get the term, put out a fleece. In other words, we ask God to do something just to confirm. Now, I, you can get in trouble with that, but there's been times in my life, big decisions, I've done it. The San Francisco thing was a big one. I've got to hurry. I didn't mean to get this long talk in here. We are, Barbie and I are going to, uh, we were, we were, we were uh, working in a camp north of uh, Knoxville, up in La Follette, uh, Tennessee. We were working at a Christian camp, and we told no one, our families knew where we were going. This is, again, before cell phones. It was a camp out on Lake Norris, and we told nobody where we was going to be except our parents and just said, you know, don't, nobody needs to know where we are. Now, this is my fleece. It was June, I guess. I said, Lord, if it's really you that's calling us to San Francisco, because he, you know, we kind of, I'm, I'm going through this what if, playing this game to the Lord and saying, but God, I've got, I'm serving you here. I'm coaching. Barbie's in the school system teaching. I'm teaching. We're leading kids to the Lord. We're, we're camp directors. We're, we were doing, we were doing everything we could do for the Lord. And it just didn't make sense to me that he would call me to go to San Francisco. I don't even speak San Franciscan. I guarantee I don't. And culture-wise, they wasn't ready for me either. I won't tell you that. But uh, so we leave, to go to, we leave to go to the camp. And I said, God, if you really want us there, you have somebody from the ministry out in San Francisco contact us at Camp Galilee. I thought I had God over a barrel. I really did. I mean, I, I, I wanted to know the truth, but I figured, you know, I, this, is a, this is a big one to me. 
Wednesday night after the service, we were up in, out, in an outdoor pavilion. We were up there. And at the close of the service, somebody came up and they said, motion, and they said, you got a phone call down in the, in the house. I knew when they said you had a phone call. I, I promise you, I knew. God, you found me. You found me. <laughs> to this day, I have no idea. Get down, walk down. And it was, it was a long walk, about like from here out to the camp. Go down there, and here it is, long distance from San Francisco, and the chaplain calling and said, Jerry, just want to check and see how you and Barbie are doing, see if you've been praying about this. <laughs> Hearing the voice of God. Now, we needed that. We needed that for me to turn in a, a resignation school system. Uh, I hate to say I was an up-and-coming star. I wasn't. I was just a teacher that had a good job. Uh, but, and all the security, all the things that we're doing, turn it in, raise our own support. They paid nothing. Matter of fact, they, you, you paid them. We had to pay them to live there. Can you believe that? We had to pay them to live there. And we had to pay them for food we ate. Split pea soup. I'll, I've never eaten split pea soup in my life. We ate a lot of it out there. I've never eaten any since we came back. <laughs> I could tell you stories. Um, but, but the story I want to tell you, the most important story of all, I'm fully convinced if God had not spoken to us and led us first from the house of prayer, which I grew up in, and Barbie joined me here when we were married, if he had not took us away from family, which we love, but put us completely in a different place where the only family we knew then were those that were the family of, of the family of God. And he proved himself more than sufficient I don't believe, he would have never called me to pastor the House of Prayer Church. I don't know what our lives would have been like. I don't want to know because God had a plan. But part of that plan was speaking to us and calling us. And we had to, and we had to walk through that. God, is this really you? Okay. Um, let, me, let me just quick, I, I hit some highlights. I, 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 I don't apologize. I, I hope I didn't get down too big a rabbit trail. If it was, I pray it's one the Lord wanted somebody to hear. Listen to what the, God is saying through his word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Know that the Holy Spirit would never lead you anything contrary to the written word of God. You need to confirm it. Now, after, he, after the God spoke to us, then we came back and we, we, we went to the scriptures and John, John 11, or John, uh, the chapter in John where he says, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray therefore the Lord of harvest and send forth laborers. And so the, the, that's the rest of the story. All right. The golden rule, golden rule. The golden rule of listen. Just, just some highlights I'd never heard of this before, but somebody said we need to listen to others as we would have them listen to us. You ever think about that? I, I read this. I, I, I just read this too. I, I'd never heard this before. I thought it was kind of funny. Many people do not really listen. They're just waiting at the red light of the conversation, <laughs> waiting for the light to turn green so that they can go with what they want to say. Some of you are nodding. Know somebody like that. Don't look at the right or left. It's best when something like this is said, look straight ahead, folks. Men, let me say, men, it's best to look straight ahead and say, bless him, Lord. That's the best thing you can do. Proverbs 18.2. It's it's kind of like a jury health and paraphrase. It's not a complete jury health and paraphrase, but it's close. The fool does not delight in understanding. I think some translations say there, a fool is not interested in facts but only in giving their own opinions. I mean, there's people like that, right? That we know in relationships and conversations, but there's people like that with God's word too. There's people, yeah, there's people I'm, well, no, I don't want to go there. Can't, I told you I wouldn't. All right. As Christians in these days, it's critical to hear the truth, obey the truth, to love the truth. And if you've ever been saved by the grace of God and he lives in your heart, and he lives in your heart if you've ever been saved, the Holy Spirit. He lives in your heart. And as he lives in your heart, it means that you're speaking his language. You can hear his voice. And one of the things that I loved, I was thinking about this this week, and I, and I, I just loved it. I've never thought about this so much before. I, I think about the amazing thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. When, the, when it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and the Holy Spirit came and descended on this 120-something people there, and we, we know the story. If I comes and sets them like tongues of fire, and they're, they're all speaking different languages. And, and what the scripture says is, is these men that's, and people, Jerusalem was, was just, it was a time when there were gobs of people there for festivals and feasts. And these people from North Africa were hearing the gospel in their language. 
The people from farther east was hearing the gospel in their language. People from up north that had come down south was hearing the gospel. Like northern Appalachians and stuff, they were hearing the gospel in their language. In their language. And, and I thought about that this week. I thought, wow. Not only the miracle of speaking languages they'd never been, they'd never studied. They didn't have Rosetta Stones. All they had was the cornerstone. And he gave them utterance. And they spoke and people heard the gospel in their own language. Now, I wrote this. Um, when God speaks, it may sound like gibberish and foolishness to the world. But unto us who believe is the power of God unto salvation. Wow. When he speaks. Surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. When we ask him to come in our hearts and when he takes residence in our hearts, basically we're saying, Lord, I'm not mine anymore. I belong to you. Matter of fact, one of the New Testament scriptures says, what? Know ye not that you're not with your own? Remember what it says? For you what? have been bought with a price. What is that price? The blood of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't belong to you. What does that mean? That means I surrender my rights to him. I no longer have a, have a, I no longer have a right to say, God, I've got a right to be, I've got a right to do this. I've got a, no, you don't. We, we don't. Again, God, I could share a lot of examples how God has, has brought me to that place. You know, it's brought us to that place. They're, they're his. Surrendering to his lordship, surrendering, listening to his voice in obedience. We no longer have a right to our own will, our own dreams, our own plans. My plans would have never taken us to San Francisco. My plans, my plans, my plans. Thank God for his plan. God says, I have a plan for you. He loves us. It's a plan to prosper. It's a plan to lead us. It's a plan to speak our language so that we hear his voice. In the days which we live in, it is so critical. We learn to listen and to hear and not follow a stranger. Let's pray. Well, God, I... I guess I got carried away there. I didn't realize it was getting so late, but I want to thank you for, for loving us. I want to thank you for your word that's so timely. It's now. It's now. And it's eternal. It's eternal. And Lord, I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit of God who, who indwells the heart of every believer and Lord, I want to thank you for the anointing and that power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that, em that empowers us for ministry as we walk in obedience and submission and yieldedness to you. We never presume upon that. And Father, in the days in which we live, help us to, to, to respond quickly. Lord, I didn't even get to talk about how important it is to obey quickly. When we hear your voice, to learn, to learn your voice, know your voice. But you take your word and you take the Holy Spirit and you, you fill in, Lord, you do everything. If people only hear what I say, we're all in trouble. But God, you take your word and the Holy Spirit of God and you speak to us. And now before I close, their heads still bowed. It's altogether possible that, that you're here this morning and you've, uh, you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. You've never given him your heart and life. Some people say you've never been born again. You've never been saved. It's all the same thing. Maybe you thought, well, I just, I'm, I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to learn more about this. Or I'll just change. Nah, scripture says a leopard can't change his spots. We can't change. We can try and it'll frustrate you. A sinner trying to live like a saved person. What a, what a bummer. You don't enjoy your sin. You sure don't enjoy a relationship with the Lord. You don't enjoy anything. 
maybe it's time if, if, if that's where you've been that you say hey I'm through playing games it's time to get real here in the days in which we live I need to ask Jesus into my life if that's you this morning I want to I invite you I want to encourage you right now you can surely come to the altar anytime or you can pray right where you're sitting and, and if there's that nudging inside you if there's that um, voice that that's speaking to you inside that's saying you need to do this you need to do this let me tell you that's God's Holy Spirit speaking to you and there may be another voice that says not now not here not like that you need to understand that's the enemy that's Satan trying to hinder what God is wanting to do right now in your life which voice are you going to listen to he who has ears to hear let him hear God is saying what the Spirit says to the churches. God's Holy Spirit says if you've never trusted Him, today is the day of salvation. You can do that with a prayer that says, God, I I know that you're speaking to me now. And I need to give you my heart. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. Take them. Forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive my sins. Lord, and Make me your son, your daughter. And God, make me, make my life what you want it to be. I'm yours. If you prayed that prayer with your heads bowed, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you right now. We had some first service to ask Christ in our life. I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand up, but I see the hand. Praise the Lord. Other hands, just raise them, put it right back down. Say, I'm praying that right now. Things are, I want to tell you, things are changed. Things are different now. Any others that need to do that? Father, for these hands, Lord, and and a raised hand, Father, is a sign of surrender to you and to your will. Take this heart, take these lives, fashion them and mold them to vessels of honor for your glory. We belong to you now. Do what you want to do in our lives. As you grow us, teach us to hear your voice, Lord. You said uh, they know your voice and a stranger they won't follow. In the days in which we live, it's so critical, God, that we hear you. And I'm so glad that you want us to know you. And you want us to hear you and understand. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. God bless you.